This is the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz, for readyforthedraft.com. Week five of the college football season in the books. And I'll tell you what, the draft-eligible prospect for the 2020 NFL Draft have their fingerprints all over the college football landscape. If you're talking about the Heisman Trophy favorites, how about Tua Tango-Vailoa out of Alabama? The precision with the way that he throws. You know, the ball placement, the anticipation. He's like a surgeon back there just carving up defenses. How about Jalen Hurts? Is OU going to have their third straight Heisman Trophy winner? I mean, he's, he's making a good case for that right now. Another dominant performance against Texas Tech. We'll talk about him in a moment. You know, can his game really translate to the next level? That remains to be seen. One guy who I definitely can see, you know, his game translating to the next level is Joe Burrow out of LSU. Joe Brady took the passing game from the New Orleans Saints, brought it to, to Baton Rouge. So if you're looking at, you know, a, a quarterback and can you see him his game translate to the next level, Joe Burrow's running an offense that's similar to the New Orleans Saints. If I'm the Saints and I'm not sold on Teddy Bridgewater as the heir apparent to, to Drew Brees, Joe Burrow might be the guy. I may do everything I can to get Joe Burrow, who is making a case to be the number three quarterback taken. He'll be battling Jake Fromm of Georgia to see if he can get that done behind Tua and Justin Herbert of Oregon. I think he's making himself a, a definite case there. You know, Those are three out of the top four quarterbacks battling for that Heisman Trophy, along with Justin Fields of, of Ohio State, who's not draft eligible. But I'll tell you what, he's the big reason why Ohio State has been dominant and possibly the best team to this point in the season no offense to Alabama but I think Ohio State may be the best team in terms of performance so far in uh, in 2019 if you move to the running game Chuba Hubbard 938 yards on the ground through five games we're not even into October in terms of of uh, the, the Pokes games and, and he's already over 900 yards on the ground staggering numbers he's a redshirt sophomore so there's a chance that Chuba Hubbard could enter the draft. Now, when you talk about uh, J.K. Dobbins, number two in the in the country in rushing at 654 yards, he's making a case to be a, a top five running back. I think he's really solidified himself as, as being able to do that. Um, you know, A.J. Dillon, finally healthy. Big six-foot, 245-pound running back. They say he has four or five speed. Hasn't really been able to show it, you know, a season ago with that ankle injury, high ankle sprain that he was battling. He's over 600 yards there for Boston College. You know, finally healthy. Um, you know, so those are guys that that uh, are starting to make a name there at the running back position. Obviously, there's uh, DeAndre Swift. He's doing everything. He's sharing the backfield. So when you talk about numbers, you're not going to see his name jump up. But he's going to definitely be in consideration there for a potential first round pick. As will Jonathan Taylor, my number one uh, running back there for Wisconsin. Uh, just 559 yards. You know, in uh, on the season so far for Taylor, who really, you know, hasn't had to play much past the second quarter uh, for for Wisconsin and has been dominant. And as we get in further and further into Big Ten play, just expect him to uh, continue to to carry the load a lot more there for Wisconsin. Um, you know, they're going to need to get the passing game stepped up, especially with Quintez Cephas back uh, in a Badger uniform. Um, but I, I still think you know the, your bell cow there is going to be. Uh, you know Jonathan Taylor, and he's added the dimension of being able to catch the football out of the backfield. He's clearly, to me, you know the, the 2018 Doak Walker Award winner. Um, he'll have to battle Chuba Hubbard for the the 2019 crown, but uh, he'll definitely, to me, I think he. There's no doubt that he's going to be the number one running back taken in uh, the 2020 draft should he come out. Now the wide receiver position, there are five, six, seven wideouts in this draft class who had they entered the 2019 draft could have made a case to be the number one wideout taken. Obviously, there's Jerry Judy, uh, not only a guy who has the vertical speed, but so sudden in and out of his breaks. He's a special, special receiver, and I, I can see him being the you know a top five pick. You know, first Bama wide receiver to do that since Julio Jones. C.D. Lamb out of Oklahoma. You know, I mentioned a week ago that he may not be in my top three or four. Come on. Then he goes out against Texas Tech, has a monster game, reminds everybody why he is a dominant wideout. Henry Ruggs III out of Alabama reminds me a lot of Hollywood Brown. Speed 
kills. Hollywood Brown came out very first week of the season for the Ravens, 154 yards through the air and, and two touchdowns. And he was the number one wideout taken. Henry Ruggs with that speed, had it not been for Jerry Judy, you could make a case that Henry Ruggs would be the number one wideout taken in 2020. Um, the, the vertical speed, I'll be interested to see what he runs in the 40. Uh, Tylen Wallace, you know, right now is the number three wideout in terms of receiving yards in the country. Um, he's over 600 yards already, 618 yards to be exact on just 28 receptions, six touchdowns. Um, he's making a big case to be the, uh, Blitnikoff winner. He was a Blitnikoff award finalist a season ago, um, lost out to, to Jerry Judy, but I'll tell you what, Tylen Wallace, you know, people didn't really know who he was a season ago. Everyone knows who he is now. T Higgins, a big wide out on the outside there for Clemson. And then LaVisca Chenault. This is a guy runs a lot of underneath routes. Doesn't always, you know, if you look at the yards per catch, you know, it's, it's under 14, uh, for, for the season, but he's big, he's physical, he can make plays after the catch. Reminds me a lot of Juju Smith-Schuster. Don't sleep on LaVisca Chenault. He should be a first-round pick. Look, Juju Smith-Schuster fell to the second round, and we see what he's been able to do there for the Steelers to this point uh, in his in his career. Um, you know, If you flip to the defensive side of the football, Chase Young, beast. That's all you have to say. 6'5", 265, just looks chiseled, and he's virtually unblockable. You know, when I talk about guys that should be drafted in the top five, they they're guys I have to know where they are on the field on every give you know any given play in every play because if not he he's gonna he's gonna burn me and Chase Young's able to do that coming off the edge for the Ohio State Buckeyes, um, just so explosive, you know, powerful, excellent hand usage. And uh, he's the next the next one. We had Joey Bosa go number three overall. We had Nick Bosa go number two overall. Could Chase Young potentially be the number one overall pick? He'll battle Tua Tango-Vailoa for that crown. I, I can guarantee you that. Um, you know, when we talk about Ohio State, Jeffrey Akuda, number one corner. You know, hasn't had you know any interceptions in his career. And that was one of the concerns that I had was, can he really make the plays when it counts? And in the last two weeks, three interceptions. He solidified himself as the number one corner and could you know could go down as as a uh, potentially a better prospect than Denzel Ward if 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 you could imagine that. Um, you know, sticking to the defensive end position, um, you know, Yitro Gross Matos has shown an ability to to make plays behind the line of scrimmage. I want to see him get after the quarterback a little bit more. Uh, I'm also waiting for AJ Epinesa to really have a breakout game. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen a whole lot of that from him just yet, along with Alton Robinson of Syracuse. Um, but you know, Kenny Willick is playing you know with like a man uh, with his hair on fire, and uh, Curtis Weaver. Always in opposing backfields there for Boise State. He's a guy to watch. I think he's making a name for himself and should be considered as a first-rounder. Bradley and I out of Utah, over 20 career sacks to his credit. He's somebody who I think is flying under people's radar. And again, uh, you know, when you talk about top five draft picks, I think when you look at you know Tua and Jerry, you know, really you're looking at two two uh, two programs for for four out of the five. Tua and Jerry Judy, I think, are are two of your top five players your other two come from ohio state on the defensive side of the football with chase young and jeffrey akuda who's number five it could be grant delpit out of lsu following the footsteps of of jamal adams but he's been battling some injuries a little bit of inconsistency so if his draft stack fall draft stock falls then defensive tackle position how about Derek brown guy's been a beast you know you look at him the, the speed to power um, very quick off the ball, can collapse the pocket from within. Um, also, uh, a mean run stuffer, gets quick penetration. He's somebody that you have to account for on every given play. But he's not the only guy at the defensive tackle position. How about Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina, solidifying himself as a, a legit first round prospect? 6'6, 310 pounds, excellent length, good speed coming off the ball. He can collapse the pocket from within. And I'll tell you what, Raekwon Williams of Michigan State and uh, Lecky Fotu of Utah have, have started to really you know showcase more of their, their athleticism and, and the ability to not only be run defenders, but they can also get after the passer. And, and that's something that you know I was waiting to see. I hadn't seen it um, you know, from them. And that's really something that they're showcasing. But uh, how about Florida State's Marvin Wilson? You know, 6'5", 311 pounds. You know, this is a guy who, you know, a season ago in 12 games, 
41 tackles, four tackles for loss, three and a half sacks in just five games this year, already 23 tackles, three sacks, four and a half tackles for loss. You know, he's somebody who I think is elevating his game, and he's somebody who's basically solidifying himself as a first-rounder as well. Um, at the outside linebacker position, how about Isaiah Simmons? You know, this is a guy who was a safety, bulked up. He's now 6'4", 230 pounds, and he's that new-age linebacker, a guy who can absolutely drop into coverage, and uh, you know he has exceptional length, long arms that get into the passing lane. He, he has a sideline-to-sideline range, can play in the box, get after the quarterback, blitzing. He'll be a guy who can be, be mentioned in the top half of the first round. Um, you know, I think linebackers outside, you know, Julian Okwara as a rush outside linebacker, Anthony Jennings, another guy. Uh, don't sleep on Charles Snowden out of Virginia. I think he's somebody who uh, could be climbing up some draft boards as well. Um, inside linebacker, how about Evan Weaver, the tackling machine? 159 tackles a season ago. May not be the best a- best athlete uh, at 6'3", 235 pounds, but I'll tell you what, you know, there there may not be a more instinctive linebacker. He just knows where to be, where to make plays. Um, you know, diagnoses the plays so quickly, and he's there. But I'll tell you what. I watch him drop into coverage, and he makes plays against the pass. Um, you know, and I didn't think that he was going to be able to do that. I think he's proving that he can be a three-down linebacker. And I'll tell you what, there are two other guys in the Big Ten that are doing that as well: Joe Bocce of Michigan State, Patty Fisher of Northwestern. They're showing that they can drop into coverage, and that's really what you need out of your inside linebackers. Can they show? that they can be three-down linebackers. You don't have to pull them off the field on third downs. And those are guys that are definitely making a name for themselves. I mentioned Je- uh, Jeffrey Okuda as the number one cornerback. I think there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, Bryce Hall should be mentioned in there. All, you know, 38 pass breakups in his career. Um, you know, he had a chance to be the number one corner taken in the uh, 2019 draft. You know, I think he'll be right there with Jeffrey Okuda. And then Christian Fulton uh, out of LSU. Uh, 5'10", 199-pound junior. Um, he's he's going to battle Okuda and, and Hall there for for the top, top billing there at, at corner. Um, and then if you've listened to my podcast in the past, you know, Paulson Adebo, I've been been high on him. You know the the former four star wideout. You know really showing a knack for understanding and recognizing routes, and uh, really a lot of times running the routes better than the receivers. But uh, he's he's been beaten a little bit, been taken advantage of. Um, you know some soft coverage at times, and really you know uh, teams taking ag- uh, advantage of his aggressive play. Uh, falling victim to quite a few double moves. His draft stock kind of sliding down just a little bit. Um, you know, CJ Henderson of Florida has been injured. Um, so a guy like, you know, Jeff Gladney moving up some draft boards. We'll talk about his play here in just a minute. And then how about Trevin Diggs out of Alabama? The, the converted wideout, 6-2 corner. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's proving that there's a good chance that he could be a first-round corner. Um, and when you're looking at the cornerback position, I think Okuda, Fulton, Hall, Diggs, definitely first-rounders. Adebo needs to have better consistency, show, you know, not, not be so aggressive. Um, you know, but the ball skills, you, know, you can't really teach that, the, the instincts there. Um, so Adebo could be right there as well. And then at the safety position, Grant Delpit, number one safety, could do everything. But Xavier McKinney is right on his heels. He's he's really knocking on the doorstep and uh you know somebody who can play over the top, you know, against the pass, can can cover a little bit in, in the slot and plays well in the box against the run. You know, I, I think he's showing the, the leadership there in the secondary for for the the Crimson Tide and uh he's a legitimate first round prospect at the safety position. One other name to mention who I think you know is going to be outside the first round, but somebody who's going to be a, a second round pick will be Brandon Jones out of Texas. Really elevated his game, six foot, two oh five, and uh, he's shown an ability to to get after the quarterback a little bit. Can uh, can play over the top, play in the box. You know, shown an ability to cover, and he's really had to take on a leadership role, especially now that that uh, there are all the injuries that the Longhorns have been facing in the secondary. Caden Stern's going down, and uh, you know if. If they're going to to rebound, if the Longhorns are really going to rebound with all those injuries, uh, Brandon Jones is going to play a big part. Somebody to keep an eye out. Um, you know, definitely Brandon Jones there for for the Longhorns. So week five, um, you know, I'm up to. I don't know how how this is possible, but through week five, I've watched 
uh, you know, and, and if you haven't listened to a podcast before, you know, I'll explain briefly the, my goal at the end of the season is to make sure that I've watched at least one game beginning to end for all 130 FBS programs and obviously sprinkle in some of the FCS programs as well. I'm at 97 so far, so I'm making pretty good progress. I got 33 teams left to watch. Um, so we'll take a look at some of the games that, that I got to watch here, um, in, uh, week five, you know, September 27th and 28th. And then, uh, we'll go ahead and take a look at some of the matchups here for week number six. Um, first game that I got to watch, you know, was San Jose state and air force, um, San Jose state went down to the Falcons 41, 24, but I'll tell you what, Josh love is the guy I think could be a potential developmental quarterback. Um, you know, he's battling injury, you know, battled injuries in, in the past. Um, but, uh, you know, he was, you know, 19 of, of, uh, of, of 35, 198 yards, but I'll tell you what, he was on his back more than, than, uh, you know, he was taking hits, not just on his back. I mean, he was really just taking a lot of hits right in his face. Um, you know, receivers dropping some passes as well, not really helping him out, but this is a kid. He is tough. I will tell you, you know, he would stand in there, take a big hit, deliver a strike. And I think that's what is so impressive is his ability to stand tall in the pocket, survey the field, get rid of the football despite the pocket collapsing around him. Ball really jumps off his hand really well. I thought he he, he showcased a pretty quick release. And uh, look, you know, the Spartans this year, you know, they beat Arkansas, and he was a big reason why. And, uh, you know, Josh Love, you know, like I said, he's not going to be a guy who's going to get drafted, more than likely going to be an undrafted free agent, but somebody who I think could be a developmental prospect. Um, Ethan Aguayo, um, I thought was an interesting story. 6'2", 220-pounder. He was a, you know, a former walk-on long snapper and is now the number two tackler in all of FBS. Um, you know, 253 career tackles, moved from safety to linebacker in 2017 with, uh, you know, he's, he's a little undersized at the linebacker position, struggles to get off blocks, but, uh, he's, he's a volume tackler and, uh, you know, somebody who I think will get a look as a potential late day three prospect, um, Penn state murdered Maryland, um, in, in college park, a 59, nothing, uh, in that game, uh, got to watch uh, Yitro Gross Matos, five tackles, two tackles for loss. You know, he's somebody who lives in opposing backfields, but I'm still waiting for him to really have a breakout game getting after the quarterback. That's one of the things that uh, I just haven't seen yet from him. And, uh, you know, I'm waiting for him to really go off and uh, have a big day rushing the quarterback. Didn't really see a, a ton of that out of him in that game. Uh, Cal taking on Arizona State, uh, the Sun Devils taking down the number 15th ranked Cal Bears in Berkeley, 24-17. Herm Edwards and company getting the job done there. But I spoke of Evan Weaver, 15 tackles, one and a half tackles for loss. So instinctive. Uh, and ability to play sideline to sideline. I think that's one of the things that jumps off the film uh, when you watch him play. And uh, you know, in that game as well, you know, a sophomore by the name of Merlin Robertson, number eight, uh, you know, 11 tackles, half a sack in that game. Uh, he's another guy who is a, a difference maker, a guy who plays downhill, sideline to sideline ability. Uh, really want to see him, you know, drop into coverage a little bit more. Is he going to be a guy who's going to be a three down player? But, uh, you know, so instinctive and, and a really good athlete. Um, I believe he was the Pac-12 uh, freshman of the year on defense uh, a season ago. And he's, t- you know, picking up right where he left off. Now, Wisconsin, the Badgers, uh, at home against Northwestern, struggled a little bit in this game. But uh, the number eight Badgers, 24-15 winners. Um, Jonathan Taylor, 26 carries, 119 yards and a touchdown. Also three receptions as well. Like I said, he's really adding the ability to catch the football out of the backfield to his repertoire. Also showing he can block as well. Um, But uh, in the passing game, an angle route over the middle, uh, caught the ball away from his body, secured it, got up field. Um, that's something that I think you really, you know, I want to see more of that from him. And he wasn't my number one running back to start the season because, frankly, he was somebody who we didn't see catch the football out of the backfield very often. A big reason why Melvin Gordon was uh, was not taken ahead of Todd Gurley was because he wasn't the the run, the pass catcher that Todd Gurley was coming out of Georgia. Jonathan Taylor is proving that he's he's really worked on that. You know, and at 5'11", 219 pounds, he runs with power. 
um, but he also has 10 400 meter speed so you know the explosiveness is obviously there as well um but I think maybe his best attribute is is the the patience and the vision. So patient to, to wait for his blockers and then the vision to see the cutback lanes and there's no wasted movement. Once he once he sees that cutback lane, foot in the ground and he's going. He's getting north and south, and you know the uh, lateral agility, his ability to make those those jump cuts. They're they're more of a slashing style, so he's making those cuts down the field without losing speed. And I think that's one of the things that kind of sets him apart as one of the best, if not the best, running back in uh, in all of college football. Tyler Beatus, his center, 6'3", 321-pound junior, um, 31 starts to his credit. He's going to be a, a top 20 pick when it's all said and done. He's somebody who I think, you know, the, the intelligence, the football IQ is there. He's the guy that really calls all the protections there up front for the Badgers. Um, he plays with excellent leverage. You know, I think that's one of the things you see him controlling the defensive tackles, the leverage and the hand placement, getting keeping the hands inside, right on the chest plate, and just controlling his man. But the athleticism as well. You see him pulling, getting out, climbing to the second level. Showed really good pop too. He he really drove into uh, Blake Gallagher, the linebacker, and, and drove him down the field. But it was that pop. You just really heard that pop, uh, getting into those pads and really driving him through. Um, you know, so Tyler Beatus to me, you know, number one center and somebody who's going to be a first round pick. Uh, two linebackers definitely uh, made a name for themselves in that game. Zach Bond uh, of Wisconsin, 6'3", 235 pounds, um, seven tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, three quarterback hurries. This is a guy, I mentioned guys, you know, playing with their hair on fire. This is somebody who's um, flying around to the football. You know, on one play, rushing the quarterback, stutter to the outside, shooting inside, taking advantage of the right tackle, Gunnar Vogel over oversetting and uh, getting into the quarterback, hitting uh, um, hitting the quarterback as he as he throws, which ultimately uh, forced a uh, pass breakup by the defensive end Isaiah Loudermilk. Um, on another play, he's able to dip the inside shoulder, uh, coming off the edge and and getting to the quarterback that way. So very versatile in his in his ability to get after the passer. Uh, Zach Bond underrated in my opinion, um, coming out there out of Wisconsin. He's the next guy. Joe Schobert, T.J. Watt, uh, Garrett Donnelly. You know a lot of these guys coming out of Wisconsin, and uh, Zach Bond's going to be the next guy. You know Vince Beagle. Um, you know, a lot of guys in the NFL that are play, you know, played linebacker at Wisconsin. And uh, Zach Bond is, is one of those guys who is showing he can get to the quarterback with frequency. Uh, and then Patty Fisher, Northwestern's inside linebacker, back-to-back, 120-plus uh, tackle seasons, uh, 6'4", 246 pounds. And I'll tell you what, the football instinct's absolutely there. You see him playing sideline to sideline, a guy who can come downhill and, uh, and really be a thumper, you know, very reliable open field tackler as well. But I'll tell you what, I thought, you know, I, I saw decent feet, decent hips and coverage. And that was something for a guy who's 6'4", you know, that's rare. You don't see that all that often. And you need to have that uh, from your inside linebacker. Can he be a three-down linebacker? And I think Patty Fisher can absolutely do that. He proved that in that game. Um, Cole Van Lannon, the left tackle for Wisconsin, 6'5", 312-pound junior, just five starts to his credit. Uh, but a lot of people were expecting him to be a breakout um, offensive tackle, potentially a, a top 10 um, tackle for the 2020 draft. Um, but I thought there was some inconsistency. You know, I, I thought he was somebody who uh, struggled a little bit with speed rushers, um, was also driven back you know, with a high pad level, driven back into the quarterback by, by Sam Miller. Um, and he, he, a lot of times, dealing with the speed rushers, having to recover, try to take the defensive end up the field and away from the pocket, um, did show that he he has some good athleticism in the running game, came around to pull, uh, got under uh, Blake Gallagher. It seemed like Blake Gallagher was just getting, um, you know, running into offensive linemen left and right at the at the second level, but uh, got underneath this pad level, really sealed him off to open up a big hole there for, for Jonathan Taylor. And then uh, Joe Gaziano, you know, uh, Joe, Joey Gaz, uh, as I like to call him, three tackles and a forced fumble. He reminds me a lot of uh, Dean Lowry, for the Packers, you know, who just got re-signed, signed a nice little deal there with uh, with Green Bay. 6'4", 275 pounds, um, and uh, excellent length. He's a guy who can get after the quarterback a little bit, and uh, I think he'll be a, uh, an early day three pick and a guy who's going to play in the NFL for a long time. 
Now, TCU took on Kansas at home. The Mad Hatter heading into Amon G. Carter Stadium. TCU gets the win, 51-14. And uh, I'll tell you what, you got to watch Jalen Rager. Only one reception for 15 yards, but... Uh, you know, had a, a 73-yard pump return that he took back to the house. And what you see there is suddenness and the, as I lose my mic here, um, you know, you, you see the suddenness. And that's one of the things that is, is so special about him. So sudden, the cutback ability, the vision as a runner. Um, and he takes that uh, in his ability to make plays in the open field uh, after the catch. Uh, and the route running as well. When you talk about the suddenness, uh, ran a, a sluggo, this double move. Uh, cornerback really bit on on uh, on the on the route, and ultimately had had the the corner turn around and really had no idea where he was. And uh, quarterback ultimately, you know, had a, a throw that was way too far inside and was short, but uh, tremendous. Tremendous uh, route running ability there from Jalen Rager. He's somebody who has a chance to be a first rounder, um, possibly top of round number two uh, when it's all said and done. Underrated running back. A guy who I think could potentially crack into that second tier of running backs is Darius Anderson um, there for TCU. 5'11", 212 pound senior. Last two weeks, 340 rush yards, fourth in the FBS uh, he's kind of a one-cut-and-go type of guy. Uh, shoots through the hole. Uh, shows pretty good patience, vision. Um, 18 carries, 115 yards, and a touchdown to his credit in that game. He's somebody who just continues to get better each and every week. Um, he and Se- uh, Sewo Alanalua uh, getting a lot of uh, a lot of carries there, and that's really been TCU's bread and butter. And if you want to run, run behind uh, Lucas Niang there on the right side. I'll tell you what, two tackles, you know, Niang and uh, Akima Denije, um, both, um, you know, got to watch them play. And I thought they had their, their good moments. And there's some moments that, uh, uh, that they need to clean up just a little bit. So for Lucas Niang, six, seven, 328 pound right tackle. Um, this is a guy who I think is, is a very easy mover, very light on his feet. That's one of the things that you see he slides well laterally in pass protection, um, one of the things I thought was so interesting was his first step with this kick slide was parallel to the line before he actually, you know, the kick slide gets any depth. But he covers so much ground because he is such an easy mover um, that it didn't really hinder him at all. Um, you know, I thought he played, you know, excellent length. It really extends those arms into the defensive end, uh, can bend a little bit and, and play with leverage. Um, showed off a quick power step to the inside, able to wall off a defensive end who was trying to um, take an inside rush and then was able to loop back around to pick up a, a linebacker that's rushing off the edge. Um, ability on, on reach blocks, doesn't always sustain his blocks a little bit though. Um, and then I thought the footwork was inconsistent at times in pass protection. That's really what got him into trouble was when the footwork was not... Um, not up to par, and that's one of the things, you know, uh, an experienced defensive end at the next level is really going to take advantage of that, so he's got to get that footwork cleaned up just a little bit. And then for Adenije, I've been looking forward to watching him play, and uh, I'll tell you what, you know, it can generate some some movement in the running game, you know, playing with excellent leverage, getting under the defensive end's pad level, driving him back, um, you know, want to see him, you know, the sustainability a little bit, you know, he... he Let's up on his blocks a little, a little bit um, more than you'd like to see. I think he can, he, he shows an ability to to bend, um, you know, at the knees, sit down, play with leverage, and anchor and pass protection. Um, one of the things he's got to be patient. You know, I saw him kind of try to climb out to the defensive end, and what he ended up doing was he was lunging at the end, which ultimately caused him to to get beaten. Um, and the defensive end getting into the backfield. But um, you know, when he's patient, when he's able to, to move his feet and slide, he can mirror defensive ends, he can pick up counter moves easily with his, his lateral agility, um, you know, does a good job beating the defensive end to the edge with, with taking good angles, deep kick slide as well. Very active hands, just throwing defensive ends, hands around, um, gets underneath the hand and arm and just kind of throws it aside. Um Overset has a tendency to overset though. He'll get a little overzealous and uh, is susceptible to the inside moves because he oversets. And um, you know, I, I think for me, you know, I think he's still a little raw 
Uh, but you know, six five, three hundred pounds. He's somebody who I think can absolutely, um, you know, he'll probably be a, a day three pick, but a, a guy who I think can develop into a starter, um, you know, in the in the future at the next level. Oklahoma taking on Texas Tech, the number six Sooners, 55-16, had an easy time there in Norman. Uh, the Jalen Hurts show was on, 17-24, 415 yards, three touchdowns, an interception, and then nine nine carries on the ground, 70 yards, and a touchdown. Um, you know, look, Jalen Hurts you know, airing the football out. I think that was one of the things that at Alabama we didn't really, you know, you didn't think of him as a passer. And I've heard the comparisons to to Lamar Jackson. I don't know that it's it, he's quite there yet, you know, in terms of talking about him as a as a Lamar Jackson type of clone. But you know, I, I think he does a really good job. You know, there's a post play to Charleston Rambo, who's a good looking sophomore receiver. Um, he's actually a red shirt sophomore, by the way, six one, 180 pounds. Could he enter the draft? Maybe, but you know, I, I think with the depth in this receiving core, I think Charleston Rambo has a chance to be a, a top wideout in next year's draft. But uh, you know, Hertz going through his progressions quickly, found Rambo um, on a 48 yard or for on a post for 48 yards, um, showed an ability rolling out, um, getting his eyes down the field, set his feet, fired 40 yards to to Rambo um, on another post pass, um, you know, across the field. Uh, totaled, uh, you know, 78 yards on that play. Um, you know, the ball placement is definitely there, able to put the ball away from, from the defender to the outside on outbreaking routes. Um, you know, some subtlety, you know, there's a corner blitz backside, um, just kind of slid to his right, able to, to get away from pressure. Um, you know, pa- very patient too. You know, waited for CD Lamb to get to an opening uh, um, over the middle, Fired a strike to him for for a twenty yard gain. CD able to get off of that. Turned outside, ran away from the defender for a seventy one yard touchdown. Um, you know he's somebody who I think is a grown man. You know really. I mean he's a senior. He's been through a lot. And when you listen to him talk, you know it's very much the, the Nick Saban style. Um, you know never satisfied with his performance, um, but. You know, the, the big question for him is, you know, with his game translating is, you know, I think he's an improved passer, but is he there that is he there yet? No. I mean, a lot of his his uh, his passes were, were thrown to wide open receivers, um, you know, but at the same time, he's able to find, you know, find those targets, go through the progressions, use the check downs when he needs to. Um, and he's a dynamic runner. He's a big physical guy, and that's really what he's known for right now. Um, but Kyler Murray's showing that, you know, finding out that at the next level, you know, you can't run away from some of these defensive ends. You know, you can't run away from a guy like Miles Garrett. And uh, Jalen Hurst is, you know, would have to find that. He'll have to show that he can play within the pocket. You know, I just don't know that there's a team, you know, with a, a defense, you know, maybe Texas, if they can get the, the injured players back for uh, the Red River rivalry. But if not, then we may have to wait until the playoff, right? And hopefully o- Oklahoma you know, does win the Big 12 because I want to see those matchups. I'd love to see Jalen Hurts uh, get a crack at his former squad there at Alabama and really get to see Jalen Hurts against that 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 uh, that front and uh, the linebackers, obviously in the secondary, you know, with with Diggs and, and McKinney and company. Um, I think that's really where you're going to see where is Jalen Hurts. That'll be at the end of the season as well. So um, he, he's going to continue to progress in Lincoln Riley's offense. I mentioned CeeDee Lamb and the game that he had. 6'2", 189, seven receptions, 185 yards, three touchdowns. That uh, 71-yard strike was was the, the longest catch of the game. But I'll tell you what, it was a catch over the middle. And basically just turned to the outside and just showed off some speed to, to go the distance. Um, you know, another touchdown pass, you know, ran ran a post, catches the ball over the middle, very strong after the catch. Just kind of shrugged off the uh, uh, the, the, the DB. You know, he beat him, you know, really at the catch point with, um, I want to make sure I get it right. Um, let's see, I think it was uh, Dadrian Taylor. And uh, shrugs him off, runs for another 42 yards for for the score. Um, you know, very sudden with his route running, and you know he's somebody who all he does is is catch touchdowns. You know, he's scored a touchdown in every single game this year. 
Um, at one point, he had 14 receptions and six touchdowns. They were talking about that on the broadcast, and you know, just staggering stuff with uh, with his play. Um, you know, T.J. Vasher, six uh, six, 210 pounds, there for Texas Tech. Um, you know, really, Texas Tech didn't couldn't get a whole lot going offensively. They didn't have Allen Bowman. Uh, the, the, the quarterback, so Jet Duffy was the guy that really, um, you know, was was the quarterback there. He showed off an ability to show some good downfield blocks uh, to spring sp- spring receivers and spring some of the running backs. Um, he did have one play um, where he showed some really good body control, got both feet feet in bounds, but couldn't sustain the ball or couldn't really um, maintain possession of the catch all the way to the ground um, in the end zone. Um, but definitely a, a, a good leaper, um, able to high point the football. Um, Neville Gall- Gallimore there for, for OU. You know, when you talk about defense and you talk about the, the impact that Alex Grinch has made, uh, Neville Gallimore is somebody who uh, up front 6'2", 302, shows very good quickness off the ball, um, a quick arm over to, to, to beat the center, got into the backfield, chased actually chased down uh, the quarterback, after running through a running back block, chased him from the pocket, um, ultimately forced him, forced uh, the Texas Tech Red Raiders to punt on that play. Really keeps working to the quarterback, shows excellent hands. Uh, chased down Jet Duffy 10 yards down the field to, to hit him, um, forced a fumble, and ultimately the linebacker, Deshaun White, picked up the play. Excellent effort. I think that's one of the things that you see this year out of this OU defense is the effort. Um, Alex Grinch, def- they're definitely playing for him. And then Kenneth Murray, you know, 6'2", 234-pound linebacker, uh, you know, nine tackles and a sack on the game, showed excellent speed, getting after the quarterback. Here's the thing with with, with Kenneth Murray, you know, the, the gap integrity. That's really the big thing that I still am waiting to see him with consistency, but the athleticism is absolutely there. I think he's a guy who can definitely make plays at the linebacker position. Um, you just want to see that consistency, and I think you're starting to see that come out more and more with Alex Grinch. You know, and offensively, you know, for the Sooners up front, uh, Creed Humphrey showing you know the ability to, to anchor and you know knee bender as a you know a former wrestler. He's 6'5", 316 pounds, only a redshirt sophomore. Uh, you know, Tyler Beatus came back for one more season there in Madison. I know that the Sooners would love to have Creed Humphrey come back. Um, you know, for for one more year, but as a redshirt sophomore, if he does come out, he'll probably be a first round pick. Um, but all wasn't for naught for for Texas Tech. I'll tell you what, the linebacker that was really playing well, Jordan Brooks, six one, two forty five, the middle linebacker, thirty five tackles on the lead, on the year, double digit tackles in in each of the games so far this year. It was blitzing off the edge, pressuring Jalen Hurts, forcing him to uh, forcing him out of the pocket, was chasing Jalen Hurts down. Um, you know, he was the guy that was making plays all over the field. Um, so I, I thought Jordan Brooks really showed out well um, in, a, in a losing effort. You know, that was one of the things that really, you couldn't really question was uh, the effort that was given there by uh, the senior linebacker. Number one was really all over the field for them. Now, USC going down to the 17th ranked Washington Huskies. They're in Seattle, uh, lost by two touchdowns, 24 to 10. Um, Jacob Eason on the day. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, it was just 16 to 26, 180 yards. Um, effortless delivery, big arm, um, easy to fit the f- football into tight windows. Um, you know, and USC, they were bringing pressure. Ball got quickly out of his hand to, to hit his tight end, Hunter Bryant. Um, you know, and that's the thing, the ball is on his receivers so quickly. Um, you know, and he, he fits the ball into such tight windows that arm strength is definitely something that, that is, is fun to watch. But here's the thing. We don't have a ton of film on, on Jacob Eason. He's, you know, and he, he's somebody who is just in his first year with Chris Peterson. So I think Chris Peterson's even learning more about Eason. And if, if I were Jacob, I think he's one of those quarterbacks to where, Let's let's come back for one more year, you know, there with the Huskies. I think he's one of those guys who could be in consideration as as one of the top quarterbacks in the in the twenty twenty one draft. I think he and KJ Costello out of Stanford, those are two guys who I would love to see come back for one more year. Uh, Trey Adams, 
the Washington Husky uh, tackle, 6'8", 314 pounds, battled you know, an ACL back injury uh, you know, a season ago, decided to come back. And you know he still doesn't look to be all the way back just yet, but... The physicality with which he plays is absolutely there. You know, I, I think you know the the lateral agility is is coming. Um, he's somebody who I think is continuing to get better each and every week, um, and he, he's someone I think he'll probably be a day two pick. I think at one point people were talking about him being a a first rounder, and I would say a couple of years ago I would definitely agree with that. But you know, not right now, not with all the injuries. I don't know that I would necessarily put him in round one, but I think he's definitely a day two guy. Now, I mentioned Hunter Bryant, the, the 6'2", 239-pound junior tight end. Um, not only was he uh, an excellent receiver, but he was an excellent blocker. You're blocking on the edge, clearing a path um, for the, the, the wide receiver, Chico McClatcher, on a, on a reverse, getting to the edge uh, for a big play. I'll, I'll tell you what, though, with him as a receiver, he was dominant um, out there against the cor- the, the smaller cornerbacks. Um, he was somebody who was able to, to get off, off the line and then using that big body to shield them from, from the ball. He was really a big receiver um, at 6'2", 239, but he was lined up as, as a you know, all over the field. He was lined up at fullback and H-back, tight end. He was in the slot. He was split out to the outside. And he was really, when Jacob Eason was looking for uh, a wide receiver or just a target in the passing game, Hunter Bryant was the guy. It really wasn't Aaron Fuller. It was more so Hunter Bryant than anything else. Um, you know, Aaron Fuller, a lot of people talk about him as a potential top 10 wideout. I, I just don't see it with this draft class. I think he'll probably end up being a day three pick. Um, probably fourth round would be my guess at this point. Um, and then USC's Michael Pittman. Here's the thing with this guy. He's 6'4", 225 pounds. Um, showed excellent footwork along the sideline. Um, excellent blocking down the field for, for Amon Ross St. Brown. And, and that was one of the things that uh, Jimmy Lake was doing, the defensive coordinator. He was taking away Michael Pittman and forcing uh, you know, Matt Fink, the, the Trojans' third-string quarterback, to look for other options. So Amon Ross St. Brown um, was the underneath target and a guy really working from the slot. Uh, very sudden with his route running ability. The the sophomore um, was was a main target early on, but Graham Harrell, the offensive coordinator, really had to get creative to get the ball in Michael Pittman's hands. Um, and ultimately, later on in the game, ran a go route, you know, forty four yard touchdown. Beat a true freshman on the outside. Um, got inside release. Ran by the, the the safety as well. And basically, you know, like uh, like they said on the broadcast, if you're even, you're leaving. And uh, he was gone and, uh, you know, tracks the ball well over his shoulder. Um, and like I said, uses his big body, uses that frame very well. To me, I think Michael Pittman in this receiver class, he's so physical, so strong, and his ability to, to go up and make plays really makes him a guy that, to me, I think could end up being a uh, possibly a day two pick. Clemson, man, number one ranked Tigers. You know they, they fell to number two after this game because they were just a two point conversion away from losing to the Tar Heels. But uh, Mac Brown and, and company they ran a uh, an option play against Clemson into the boundary and uh, ultimately weren't able to get it done. And uh, thought that was a little questionable, especially with all the team speed for Clemson. I mean, running up the middle. Um, you know, potentially a pass play, but you know that I thought that was a little odd. Maybe they thought they were going to catch the the Tigers off guard. But in this game, I mentioned Isaiah Simmons: ten tackles, a sack, two and a half tackles for loss, a pass breakup. The length was evident. You know, he was did a really good job watching Sam Howell, spying him, getting his hand, arm into passing lanes, able to rush the quarterback. Um, you know, excellent as a tackler in the open field as well. You know, I thought Isaiah Simmons really solidified himself as a as the top outside linebacker in this year's draft. Um, you know, I thought John Simpson, the 330-pound uh, left guard, showed pretty good punch in his hands. Um, you know, AJ Terrell, the the corner there for uh, for the Clemson Tiger, Tigers was was burned badly by uh, Deami Brown. Um, he was in bail technique. Um, and basically bit on the, on the stutter, on a stutter and go, 
and uh, Brown ran by him for the 40-yard touchdown. And uh, basically, you know, he, he had to turn and run. And by that point, he, he was was given up probably two to three steps and uh, was just burned badly. Um, you know, what's interesting, though, you know, you look at tra- Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, everyone had him pegged as the number one overall pick um, in, in the 2021 draft. Kind of feels a lot like what, what happened with Sam Darnold and all the expectations. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence, 18 to 30, 206 yards and a touchdown on the day. Um, you know, wasn't quite himself, um, but I'll tell you what, you know, T Higgins had another big day, six receptions, 129 yards and a touchdown using that big body, um, to bail out his quarterback and help him out. Um, you know, Travis Etienne scored a touchdown, 14 carries, 67 yards, not as explosive this, this season, not really getting a chance to, to explode. And, uh, you know, you're just waiting for him to have that breakout game in, uh, in 2019, um, you know, I, I think Etienne is the home run hitter, but I think he's showing that, you know, the, the, there aren't as many tools in his tool belt, you know, and so I think that may hurt his draft stock a little bit. He may actually, you know, with the way that J.K. Dobbins has been playing, um, you know, there's a chance that both De- uh, DeAndre Swift and Dobbins could pass him up if he's not careful. I, I have this game recorded. I haven't actually watched it yet, but Montana took on UC Davis. So the number four ranked uh, UC Davis Aggies um, in the FCS um, at home, taking on the Montana Grizzlies, who are ranked 18th. Uh, Grizzlies took it to them, 45-20. Um, I want to watch the game to take a look at Dante Olson, the linebacker there for uh, Montana. Volume tackler, had eight tackles and an interception. Really want to see you know what this kid can do. Um, he'll be a day three pick, probably be like a fourth or fifth round pick would be my guess. Um, just in, in what I've, I've read of this kid, I haven't gotten to see him play yet. Um, but you know, if if the stats and and some of the um, some of the notes that I've been reading up on him are any indication, I, I want to be able to see him for myself. And I'll talk about him next week. I'll make sure to watch the game uh, in the next week and be able to to bring some of that more to you. Um, if we look at, at Notre Dame against Virginia, had a tough time there a, a little bit, but the 10th-ranked uh, Fighting Irish ultimately beating Virginia 35-20 uh, on the season. Julian Aquara, you know, a, a sack and two quarterback hurries. That's one of the things that you're going to expect out of him is to get to the quarterback coming off the edge, and I think he's somebody who's who's coming on. Um, you know, Aloe Gilman, three tackles, a tackle for loss, and an interception to his credit. He's a safety who's continuing to to make plays. He's the leader, in my opinion, in that secondary, uh, the, the transfer from Navy. Um, those were guys that really stood out to me on the Notre Dame side. Um, you know, Charles Snowden. Uh, Jordan Mack, two linebackers that are kind of flying under everybody's radar. Um, let's talk about Charles Snowden a little bit. 6'7", 225 pounds on the year. Um, you know, he, he kind of does a little bit of everything, I'll tell you. Uh, as a junior, 31 tackles, six tackles for loss, three sacks. Um, he has 15 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks to his credit um, in his career, 10 pass breakups as well. He's one of those new age linebackers. He has excellent length as well. 6'7", 225 pounds, or I'm sorry, 235 pounds, runs very well. He's somebody to keep an eye out for, um, you know, as we progress throughout the season. You know, Virginia suffered their first defeat, but I'll tell you what, they've got excellent linebacker play, and and he's a big reason why. Um, Jordan Mack, 6'2", 230 pounds. Uh, this is a guy who's showing an ability to get after the quarterback. You know, six sacks on the year. Um, that total um, has almost surpassed what he what he was able to do in his first three seasons. In the first three years, he had seven sacks. He already has six sacks through, through five games. Um, you know, he, he's somebody to me that uh, you know only only played nine games a season ago, but someone who. If he can start continuing with with frequency, getting after the quarterback, he's somebody who I think can start rising up some draft boards. And then finally, Bryce Hall. I mentioned all of the the pass breakups a season ago, 21 uh, to his name, 38 pass breakups, five interceptions. That's 43 passes defended in his his career to this point. He's somebody, he's not seen a ton of passes thrown his way. Um, You know, had just four tackles against Notre Dame, but uh, somebody who I think, uh, is definitely one of the top cornerbacks 
in this draft. Auburn took it to Mississippi State, 56-23 winners uh, there at Jordan-Hare Stadium. I mentioned Derek Brown, a guy who just makes plays. You know, And you look at, you know, K.J. Britt had five tackles, a sack, a couple of tackles for loss. Big reason why is, is big... Uh, Big Derek Brown, you know, he had a chance to enter the draft a season ago, decided to come back for one more season, and uh, he's definitely solidified himself, his posi- his draft stock, as a top 10 pick, in my opinion. Uh, two tackles and a quarterback hurry, but look, he's somebody who affects every play, and, and like I mentioned, you know, with the linebackers, a season ago, he was the big reason why Deshaun Davis was making so many plays. It was, you know, it was because he was holding the point of attack, absorbing multiple blockers, getting, you know, wreaking havoc in backfields, and uh, he's somebody definitely to be on NFL radars, um, you know, without a doubt. You know, and this is a team as well. I mentioned Kylan Hill, um, over 600 yards on the ground, 17 carries, just 48 yards. Uh, Auburn, um, you know, they're still figuring everything out with Bo Nix at quarterback. He actually had a really good outing, 16 to 21, 335 yards and two touchdowns. The freshman really, um, you know, starting to uh, get comfortable back there for the Tigers, but. Defensively, you know, you've got Noah Igbenogany there in the secondary at the cornerback position. You've got uh, Marlon Davidson there at, at defensive end. You know, there, there are some players there that, uh, you know, defensively, they're, you know, the, the Tigers, um, you know, are a team to be reckoned with there in the SEC. And let's see, one final game, Ohio State and Nebraska. Ohio State just put a whooping on, on Nebraska uh, in this game, and... You know, I have to talk about Chase Young and, and Jeffrey Akuda once again. Um, you know, Chase Young just uh, he was just playing with with the offensive tackles. You know, on one play he would show a, a tremendous burst off the ball, a quick slap. You know, of the offensive lineman's hand, that slap rip move, and uh, turns the corner in a hurry, flattens out, gets to the quarterback. It's so impressive. That he's able to flip those hips as he, you know, that slap and rip move, and he's flipping his hips, flattens out in a hurry, and he gets to the quarterback uh, in no time flat. I wish I had a stopwatch to really time just how quickly he was able to come off the ball and get to the quarterback and, and, and bring him down for a sack. But he does that on one play, and then the next you'll see that stutter to the outside, offensive tackle kind of oversets a little bit, and then he shoots pack inside. Again, the hand usage able to, to slap or, or or use a rip move or an arm over and gets inside. He's fr- uh, flushing the quarterback, getting him outside the pocket. And, uh, you know, there was one play where he, you know, the offensive tackle overset. He made an inside move, chased the quarterback um, off his mark, had him roll, roll out, and ultimately led to a Jeffrey Akuda interception. You know, Akuda... Um, was was trailing the the wide receiver uh coming in on an on an in route and basically baited the quarterback baited baited uh Adrian Martinez into making the throw you know and uh it was so impressive to watch because he was just on his on his back hip and the moment that the quarterback threw once Martinez let go of the football he makes his break on the ball diving interception right in front of him and then just another you know I, I can't remember if it was the very next possession for the Cornhuskers or the one after that, but they get down into the red zone and Martinez throws a pass that goes off of the uh, receiver Wandell Robinson's hands and Jeffrey Akuda covering another receiver, uh, J.D. Spillman, slips down but happens to you know be in position right behind uh, Wandell Robinson, keeps his eyes on the football and after that tip. He's slipping down and is able to haul in the interception. Just impressive, impressive stuff. Um, and you know he was eight yards off the ball and off coverage um, on a swing pass to the running back. No wasted movement. Recognizes the play right off the bat. Shoots downhill. Able to drop him in in uh, in the open field for no gain um, on a on a third and seven play. I thought it was definitely very impressive. Uh, showed an ability to really. Uh, be physical uh, coming downhill. Um, he, he's looking to jam you. He's going to get up. You know, he's a physical guy uh, in bump and run. And uh, I think 6'1", 200 pounds, he's solidifying himself as the number one cornerback 
J.K. Dobbins had another efficient game. 5'10", 217-pound junior, uh, 24 carries uh, for 177 yards on the day. Uh, you know, and what I have here, you know, is is patient. You know, he, he sees the hole, puts his foot in the ground, decisive, no dancing at all, cuts up the field. Um, you know, he's a guy who's shooting for for three consecutive thousand yard seasons would be the only Buckeye, um, you know, with with our, you know, with uh, Archie Griffin to to be able to do that. Um, you know, very like I said, patient. Um, gosh, I, I keep looking at my notes. It just says patient, patient, patient. Um, jump cuts laterally, uh, getting to the hole, um, coming off a, of the guard's block. Um, so he really follows his blocks very well. Um, head and shoulder fake on the edge in the open field, juke the safety. Um, Cam Taylor Britt for, for extra yards as well. Met Muhammad Barry at the line, lowered his shoulder, ran through the linebacker's tackle as well. So it's showing an ability to, to be physical at the point of attack. Uh, really wasn't a factor in the passing game here, but he's somebody who I think has shown that he can catch the football out of the backfield. Um, Lamar Jackson really looked bad. You know, the 6'3", 215-pound senior really looked bad on an on an out-and-up double move by Austin Mack. Bit on the out fake, and uh, Mack was gone. Had Mack not lost his footing, he would have scored a touchdown. Ended up being a 30, 38-yard gain. Ended up having two pass breakups on the day. Um, he just, you know, another guy who with his aggressiveness, um, is biting on double moves. And that's something that, you know, teams can take advantage of, um, you know, more often than not at the next level. KJ Hill showing an ability to catch balls, you know, over the middle, um, on a lot of the crossing routes, you know, reminds you a lot of, of, of Paris Campbell to that effect. And then uh, Austin Mack, I mentioned the out and up route, you know, uh, also ran a nice fade, um, down the sideline, able to elevate over, uh, the cornerback reach inside uh, as he's elevating for the football on a nice 18-yard touchdown as well. So Austin Mack, um, 6'2", 215 pounds. Um, he'll probably be a day three pick, but a guy who I think is um, you know, starting to gain some momentum there um, for the Buckeyes. So those were all the games that I got to watch. What games do we have to expect here on week six? Um, if I'm taking a look at this, let's see. The Temple Owls head to East Carolina to take on the Pirates. They're on Thursday, uh, which is tomorrow. I'm taping this on Wednesday night, so uh, Thursday night's games will be tomorrow. Friday, October 4th, UCF taking on Cincinnati. Um, you know, I, I think... You know, UCF, Gabriel Davis is a big, big-bodied receiver. He was the other receiver that gave Paulson Adebo trouble, um, you know, and really kind of exposed things. I think Gabriel Davis, you know, big-bodied um, junior receiver um, and somebody who I think could potentially enter the draft. Um, he, he's right in there with a lot of these other big-bodied guys. Um, you know, um, I'm sorry, I think he's actually a sophomore. No, he's a junior. Uh, the sophomore, though, uh, Cha, um, Sage Surratt there for, for Wake Forest is another guy um, you know, kind of fits that same mold, those big-bodied receivers who can get down the field. On Saturday, LSU taking on Utah State in Death Valley. Uh, the num- number five-ranked t- Tigers, you know, tune in and watch this game. See what Jordan Love can do against that Tiger defense. Um, you know, if Jordan Love is going to enter this draft, if he's going to be in consideration as a top five quarterback for the draft, really needs to have a good game here against the, the vaunted LSU defense. Um, you know, defensively for Utah State, they've got Tipa Nalei coming off the edge as an edge rusher. David Woodward in, um, at the linebacker position, a guy who I think is underrated, flying under radars. You know, if he enters the draft, you know, he's somebody who could, uh, you know, I, I think he'll probably come back for senior season. But if he does enter the draft, uh, somebody who I think could be a steal for, for a team, you know, likely on, on day three. But, you know, I, I think he's an underrated prospect, a guy who can be a three down linebacker. Uh, OU traveling to Lawrence to take on the Mad Hatter and, and the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, Jalen Hurts playing another team that, uh, you know, he'll probably be be done by, by the third quarter. Uh, as will Jonathan Taylor in Wisconsin taking on Kent State there at uh, in Madison. Um, let's see, Iowa hasn't you know they outside of Iowa State they haven't really been challenged much. But the 14th ranked Hawkeyes heading to the Big House to take on Michigan. Uh, Nate Stanley, 
Can he be consistent as a passer? You'll get to see Tristan Wirfs going against some of the speed rushers there for Michigan. That ought to be an interesting contest. Uh, Oklahoma State taking on Texas Tech. Man, you know Texas Tech had to take on OU with Jalen Hurts and and Ceedee Lamb and country and company. Now they got a head, you know, take care of that a three-headed monster of Spencer Sanders at quarterback, Chuba Hubbard, the leading rusher, and uh, one of the top three receivers in the country in terms of yardage in uh, in Tylen Wallace. Uh, you know, I, I expect the 21 rank, 21st ranked Cowboys to have a, a field day there in Lubbock. Um, Iowa State taking on TCU. Iowa State um, had trouble with uh, Matt Rule's Baylor Bears going down uh, last second field goal. Um, that will be an interesting contest there in the Big 12. Uh, Auburn heading to the Swamp to take on the Florida Gators. I expect Auburn to to win that one. Um, Texas, all the injuries there in the secondary, but you know, I expect Sam Ellinger uh, to head to Morgantown and, and beat up on uh, the West Virginia Mountaineers. Let's see, what else do we have? Um, Illinois taking on Minnesota doesn't really sound like a you know a, a game on on the surface, but uh, there's a transfer from USC there that's playing at Illinois and Olawole Batiku, who's one of the top pass rushers. Uh, in in the country um, in terms of, of sacks and uh, you know the sacks per game he's leading the country and uh, a guy who didn't see the field a whole lot at SC and then a season ago had a, a surgery that basically kept him off the field but he'll be be going up against uh, the, the Gopher offense it's led by the receiver Tyler Johnson who I think needs to have some big games you know I, I think he's kind of being overshadowed a little bit by by Rashad Bateman um, had a had some drops to start out the season um, in this wide receiver draft class I think I'm really expecting to see him have a breakout game he, he's going to need that you know he's somebody who could be a day two pick absolutely but with this draft class, you know, that's one of the things that I worry about a little bit. You know, can he be overshadowed? Um, Georgia, number three ranked uh, Georgia Bulldogs, Jake Fromm and company heading to Neyland Stadium, taking on Tennessee. That ought to be an easy go for uh, Uga and company. Um, Ohio State uh, will be hosting Michigan State. Uh, the Michigan State defense, obviously, Raekwon Davis. I'm sorry, Raekwon Williams. Uh, Raquan Davis plays for for Alabama, but Raquan Williams uh, there at defensive tackle, Kenny Willickis at defensive end, Joe Bocci, middle linebacker, those guys taking on Ohio State. Can they get Justin Fields off his mark? Can they uh, get to J.K. Dobbins before he really gets going? Once he gets ahead of steam, he's difficult to stop. Um, that passing attack really hasn't been challenged yet. That defense for Michigan State, what can they do there? And then can that offensive line, what can they do with Chase Young? That's that's really the, the biggest thing. You're going to chase Young, a lot of what he does, he'll flush the quarterback out of the pocket or force him to step up, and he just runs right into Malik Harrison or Pete Werner or Tough Borland, any of those linebackers. Um, so, and then that secondary is just so strong. You know, not only do you have the best corner in Jeffrey Okuda, but you have a, a sophomore in Sean Wade who has a chance to come out. And then you have, you know, as your number three corner, Damon Arnett, who's a senior and uh, could potentially be be drafted uh, early on uh, on day three. Um, Jordan Fuller at safety is is going to be a, a, a draft um, a draft prospect as well. Oregon will play host to Cal there at Autzen Stadium. Uh, number thirteen ranked Ducks. You know Justin Herbert taking on Evan Weaver. Um, you know Oregon. One of the things that uh, that I saw when they played Stanford, um, Calvin Throckmorton. You know the normally the right tackle. He's played four positions there for the Ducks. It was playing center, and uh, I think it speaks more to Jake Hansen. You know missing him. Than anything else, because Stanford was able to run a lot of a lot of stunts up front. Casey Tuhill, the linebacker, coming through, getting home to Justin Herbert quite a bit. Um, you know they need Jake Hansen back in the lineup. Uh, you know Panay Sewell though at left tackle, he's healthy, and uh, I'll tell you what, you know he's a guy who has he'll you know as long as you know Walker Little doesn't enter the draft. I know he's battling the ACL and is out for the year for Stanford. 
But uh, Panay Sewell and Walker Little could potentially be uh, the top two <laughs> offensive tackles for the 2021 draft. So light on his feet, big, physical. Um, he's uh, definitely a guy to watch there against Cal. Um, Tulsa, a couple of, of linebackers there that that our NFL prospects and Cooper Edmiston, the middle linebacker, and then the, the sophomore uh, Zaven Collins. Um, they'll be taking on the 24th ranked SMU Mustangs. Jay, uh, James Prosh, uh, their, their receiver, can play both on the outside and in the slot. He's somebody who I think has excellent ball skills, underrated wideout. Um, a guy, you look, Trey Quinn of, of the Mustangs, you know, he was Mr. Irrelevant, and he's actually you know making an impact there for the Redskins. So, um, you know, don't underestimate those Mustang receivers. You know, that's where Cole Beasley went, by the way. Um, and then, you know, Washington uh, heading to the farm to take on Stanford. That's the late game. Uh, you know, if you're in the Midwest, 9.30 start, 7.30 Pacific, 15th ranked Huskies. That'll be, you know, the Battle of Jacob Eason and uh, KJ Costello. And, uh, you know, that, that'll be something, you know, can that Stanford defense, you know, they affected Justin Herbert just a little bit there with the Ducks, 21 to 6 final. Um, you know, what's what's going to happen there? Um, you know, can Stanford mount any type of an offense? You know, and that's really been been one of the, uh, you know, against Jimmy Lake. You know, I, I just don't see that happening. I think Washington Huskies win that game and probably end up winning big. So that's what to look forward to here week six. If you tune in again next week, we'll go ahead and break down some of those games, all the games that I got to watch. And then we'll look ahead to week number seven. I hope everyone enjoys their weekend of college football. And we'll do this all again next week. For readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. And until next time, I am out of here. Take care.